The World Wrestling Federation is in action somewhere nearly every day of the year. The excitement of professional wrestling is one of ongoing stories, developing feuds and friendships, the new competitors coming on the scene. But most important, it's what you see and hear, it's sight, it's sound, it's motion, and the best possible way to experience and keep the continuing saga of the WWF is through the Coliseum series of video cassettes, and that, my friends, is the true technological magic of home video. From Television City in Hollywood. The following rustic exhibition requires discretionary viewer participation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Silver Anniversary Edition of GFA Live. Excuse me. I am your host, Peter Winston, although who knows, it might not be for much longer. I'm going to waste no time bringing in my guest at this time, a man who last weekend wisely decided to record a GFA Live with me and hang out with me on a back porch socially distanced rather than going to a Supreme Court announcement down in dc mr keithy langston how are you well i've heard a lot of vile chatter uh that doesn't really matter to me um i know a lot of you guys want to see me in agony but the measure of a man understand is more than your common patter it's the way i'll make you eat those words that matter (laughs) (laughs) that's just that is just freaking poetry i got some bad news and it may involve your body I'm obsessed with that song now. I'm sorry. I had it. It's I had it in my head. What I'm gonna do to you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, World Wrestling Federation music of the 1980s in all of its forms should be celebrated. So, so how you doing this morning, Bubby? It's, it's Saturday I'm, morning. It is Saturday morning. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful Saturday day out there. I'm doing fabulous. How about yourself? Oh, it's a very fall New England day out there. And yeah, it I thickened sure up the accent for that one. It's a very fall era day in New England, folks. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, w- wait, you, before we came on, you were telling me you were watching something or other? Yes. Yeah, so I was watching. Uh, so my nephew got up this morning and I put on uh, freeform television and they were showing nice. the Goonies. Mm-hmm. And they had, you know, they have their 31 days of Halloween. And one of the commercials, one of the movies they're going to be showing is Gremlins. And that led to a discussion in my house about the first Gremlins, which then led right into my revelation that Hulk Hogan, the WWF heavyweight champion at the time, was had a very star-studded cameo in Gremlins 2, The New Batch. I've heard about that, but I've never actually seen Gremlins 2. So there's some point... There's, I won't give up too many plot points because, you know, even though the movie is uh, <laughs> at this point almost 30 years old, it is 30 years old, um, I won't spoil anything. But, um, you know, basically what it, there's a point in the movie where, like, all hell breaks loose and Hulk Hogan has to get up and, you know, kind of like, listen, dudes, you better calm down back there before I turn these 24-inch pythons on you, brother. And he kind of cuts a promo against the Gremlins, which is great. But it's awesome because he's in a movie theater and he's wearing his bandana, his yellow shirt, and his WWF title belt. Wow. <laughs> and he's yeah, eating you know, popcorn. <laughs> perhaps you've 
perhaps you've convinced me to now check that out. But this morning, I I decided, you know what? I'm going to put on the most random thing I can think of from the WWE Network, and it was Clash of the Champions 26. Oh. <laughs> and I and I was I was having a good time watching that. That's January of '94. I, I know it probably helps more giving the month and year rather than the number because you just lose track of it after a while. Like, show starts out with the introduction of Bobby Heenan to WCW. He bickers with Gene for a while. Nick Bockwinkle is later brought in too. It's like a you know a AWA hoot nanny or something mm. like that. Yeah. But we are wow. not here to watch. We're, we're not here to watch that. We're here for the best of the World Wrestling Federation, volume number ten, as decided by you last week. So we mm. we might as well just hit go on this, right? I mean, sure. A lot of lot of nineteen eighty six stuff in here. A lot of things I'm sure you'll enjoy. I don't. I don't think we have Tito Santana. Oh no, we do have Tito Santana. Oh, good. Whew. Oh, I was worried we were going to have two straight oh. Tito-free shows. Oh, thank Haku, we have Tito Santana. <laughs> <laughs> well, he Haku was on here, too, as a member of the Islanders, but I, I'm going to warn you, they might have been calling him Hako at that point. No! They were still working out, they were still working out the names and the pronunciations. Um, praise be to Haku that everything goes smoothly this week, you know. And not only not only with GFA Live, but also in the world. Praise be to Haku. Let's just pray, you know, that he that he that he allows us to continue our lives. <laughs> well, you know, today is uh, today, October third, is Mean Girls Day. And I, and oh, I hope you celebrate! Because uh, you know, it was the day Aaron Samuels asked asked her what day it was. She said it was October third. I celebrate that um, in my own way. Thank you very much. Uh... Oh, okay. I <laughs> say say no more. I, I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear uh, any more gra- I'm going to try to keep things non-graphic on today's show after, okay. you know, I, I had a bit of a day yesterday and I'm not ready to talk about it because, well, it, it involved medical procedures. Oh, so, well, yeah. l- listen, if you need not to. Not for me, but yeah. If, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Well, if you need to, you know, ever, you know, feel like you need a therapy session, my couch is always available. <laughs> Why do I feel like it's going to be? Like Betty Draper, and I'll tell you every. You're just gonna rat. You're gonna rat back to my wife. <laughs> you're all rats. It, it might be. Oh, anyway, we got Gino. Gene Okerlund hosting this one from the electronics section of uh, Kmart of Leechmere. Oh, so, yeah, Leechmere. Was Leechmere a, a nationwide store, or was that just no. a New England thing? No, that was definitely just a New England thing, or, or I, even I just a Saugus thing. <laughs> oh no! There was one in Woburn. I think about it every. I think about it every time I drive past what used to be the Woburn Mall, which they're they're rebuilding like a sort of modern mixed-use shopping plaza. And let me just say, it looks like it's getting overbuilt. But hey, I'm not one to. Do, I, what do I know about the real estate business? Nothing. All I know is I open the door, I go in the building. All I know is I end up becoming a partner, and then we burn it down. <laughs> Cuddy Sark in the front door, washer dryer out the back door. What I like about how excited Mean Gene is for most of these matches, and I think we've established clearly in the previous nine episodes that a lot of these matches are just the dregs of what they didn't want to put on either, you know, WWE all WWF All Stars or pro or uh, what uh. 
challenge or something like that. Challenge yeah. or what was the what was the one on Monday nights? <laughs> prime time. Prime time. They didn't want to put well, it on prime time, you know. Well, some of these actually ended up on on prime time. This first one did not. It was a Boston. Yes, a Boston Garden show. Dory Funk Jr., Haas Funk, Jimmy Jack Funk, substituting for Terry Funk, and Jimmy Hart are taking on Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, the Junkyard Dog, and the Haiti Kid at the Boston Garden on April 26, 1986. Hey, that's the day I think the Chernobyl thing happened. Well, the fact of the matter that, you know, the fact is that Ricky Steamboat was wearing the 10-gallon hat goes to show you that that's definitely why Jimmy Jack Funk is substituting for Terry because there's no way that Ricky Steamboat would have been able to put on Terry's hat if Terry was still in the ring. We all know what he did to Mel Phillips. Yes. Now now I need to watch that Terry Funk, Ricky Steamboat match from the Clash of the Champions 7, and I need no reason to to watch that show it's one of my favorite clashes where they held it like fort bragg and it was 100 degrees in the building yes yeah long time so yeah this is at the boston garden only drew five thousand people and i think part of the reason for that is it didn't look like there was any real main event if i had to looking at it it would be either this or the bulldogs versus the dream team but Instead of the Bulldogs, it was Davy Boy and Pedro Morales because Dynamite Kid was out with an injury. Surprise, surprise. Hmm. Yeah, that that's I mean that would be a main event, I guess. Right? Yeah. I mean that's a that's a pretty sea level house show though. Yeah, I mean, five. it's weird. It's almost like, did they think that they weren't going to draw that many people to the Garden on an April of 86, presumably Saturday afternoon, evening, whatever it was? Yeah. It's it's un- it, it, it's a chicken or egg thing. And I guess, yeah. yeah, I guess nobody wanted to see Jimmy Hart working in what look, kind of looks like Terry Funk uh, tights from 1989 and after. <laughs> It's Terry Funk tights. Do you have any real strong opinions about Dory Funk Jr.? I mean, not at this point in his career, but I mean, <laughs> I feel like I feel like Dory Funk is just very much a. Uh, I mean, it's kind of. I mean, I guess kind of that Harley Race era. Well, he definitely is the Harley Race era. But like, whereas you may have seen a few great Harley Race matches, you didn't really see a ton. So unfortunately, you're kind of left with like the end of his career, his wrestling career, which sadly enough was, you know, mostly WWF. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I know Dory was a champion at one point for, for <laughs> four, pretty, for four years. Well regarded. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, for for his time period, I don't in this little run here, which didn't last that long, only First about of all, six his months. Haas. His name's Haas, which is just embarrassing. Yeah, I know, because Vince has it out for the word junior, which yeah. is why I would I would call him Vinny Jr. to his face if I ever saw him. <laughs> wow, that's you got some balls, I might add. <laughs> hey, he would he would appreciate the uh, size of the grapefruit just to pull something like that. Looks like Junior here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why don't you take Junior with you? 
right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I cut you off. You were going on in your your love for Haas Funk. Well, yeah, that's why that's why he's going to be called Haas. Now, I think clearly Vince, somebody showed him an episode of Bonanza. It's like, ha, ah, oh, that damn blocker is fucking hilarious. We're going to call you Haas, pal. <laughs> pal. Pal. <laughs> that's how one of my college roommates got the nickname Haas is because we watched Bonanza a lot because it was one of the channels we could get. And you're like, oh, that guy looks funny. We'll, we'll, we'll call you Haas now. Gosh. Now, Dor- Dory Funk Jr. reduced to doing uh, comedy spots with the Haiti kid. Yeah. Old-time wrestling fan shed a tear like that Native American in the anti-littering ad. Seriously. That's, yeah, this is just sad. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind him that much, but it was glorious for the at least couple of months that Dory and Terry were teaming up. Mm. WrestleMania two match is pretty good. Yeah, I, I just, it's just, it's, it's just hard when you have these legends from the seventies that you're trying to introduce into like, I mean, Jesus, at this point, it would have been ten years past when he was, you know, prime relevant kind of thing, and yeah. you're putting him in there with like a new crew to try to have. Or a new group of a new audience to try to get some, you know, notoriety, and it just it must be sad, you know. I mean, that's why again I give credit to a guy like John Cena who maintained his very, you know, his to- his tier in the you know his top tier uh, spot for as long as yeah. he held it, and never really changed his gimmick up, never really changed much about his character, and he still maintained that top tier spot. Well, that's a critique by some people, but eventually people, I think, gained respect for him once they, once Cena is no longer there and it's like, oh, now we just have Seth Rollins? Oh, God, we're totally screwed. You know, it is. The the latest Roman Reigns stuff seems to have promise. It is funny, though, because the internet has definitely done a 180 on John Cena. Because now it's just, you know, although he, have you noticed the older John Cena gets, the more he looks like, uh, what was that guy? Ernest, the guy that played Ernest, uh, Jim are, Varney. <laughs> are you suggesting boot the Ernest series, but with John Cena? Because I am all for that. Know what I mean? Like, I, do like <laughs> but if you. Do hey, it, Vern. Hey, Vern. Hey, Vern. Sounds like sounds like an AWA thing with the guy named Vern. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that that'd be something if we could have turned. Remember that movie with Vern Gagne, The Wrestler? If that could have been turned into an Ernest movie, that would be great. Maybe if we had, maybe if he had done that, the AWA would have still been around. <laughs> he wouldn't have had to liquidate his house over by Lake, Lake Minnetonka. <laughs> Highly unlikely, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> Highly unlikely, Jess. Now, Jimmy Jack Funk here, of course, is Jesse Barr. And I'm sure you, you, you might be aware that Haku ripped his eye out or something like that. That, I mean, that's, that's not real life, right? I mean, what do you mean not he, real life? Is that why he wears the mask? Uh, he wears the mask just because he doesn't look like any of the other fonts. Oh, okay. <laughs> you got to hide that, you know? Yeah, they, they were definitely cut from the same, you know, cream cheese or something like that. Like, <laughs> the, the same cream cheese? I've literally never heard that expression in my life. <laughs> well, it's an expression. <laughs> I, I, wow. <laughs> In some circles, ask your mother; she might know that expression. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. No talking. <laughs> so he uh, Jesse Jesse Barr was released after a backstage incident with Haku. 
Despite yeah. okay, despite rumors that one of his eyes had been gouged out during the fight, Haku himself has definitively stated that the rumors were untrue and that he deliberately avoided injuring Bar. You know why? Because he is a benevolent one, true king. He is. All hail King Haku. Uh, it is, you know, I want to go back real quick to the uh, Jimmy Hart trunks. Yes. It, it really, they really do look like Terry Funk post-1989 trunks. I think, I think you're onto something. I think Terry was like, oh, you know, Jimmy, I really like those trunks. And then he took them from him and that's what he wore, like, for the <laughs> remainder of his career. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, looking the way Jimmy Hart is dressed here, I, I would love to see a match between Jimmy Hart and Jim Cornette, like Jim Cornette, circa eighty eight, eighty nine, yes. when he would wear he would like wear the goofy, he would wear goofy gear in there with his massive fat ass. Did you notice how fat Jim Cornette's ass was? <laughs> I, I, you I don't know, know if I, it's still that massive, but damn man, at the height of his powers, he had the fattest ass in wrestling. I, I. uh do not really look at Jim Cornette's badonkadonk. I'm I mean, sorry, I just right. don't. You, look, I, you can't miss it. If you look at any match where he's, not even where he's wrestling, it's, it's just his polyester suits that he wore. He had, like, the world's fattest ass. He His ass was fatter than the alleged fat ass of Haystacks Calhoun that we watched last oh, week. Oh, yes, you, you're, I forgot, you're a Haystacks Calhoun weight truther. <laughs> I mean... I need to see a reading from the truck scales because I'm not buying that 601. Facts of facts. Dude, Gorilla Monsoon, when he wrestled, was not that fat. Like, he was not billed at 600 pounds. What was Gorilla probably billed at? 4, 410, 425? Gorilla was at 401, and he said that his highest weight was 440. Okay. At his highest weight, if it was 440, he still looked smaller. He still looked bigger than Haystacks Calhoun. Yeah. And that guy was weigh 600 pounds not only that we saw his legs there's no way that those tiny little those tiny little twigs were going to hold up a 600 pound frame it's impossible it was manipulation of the rudest order as far as i'm concerned and i have my conspiracy theory for the week so there you go yes because we 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 trap we don't traffic in conspiracy theories on this show we traffic in truth that because that's that's all we can do. We have Haystacks Calhoun's weight. Uh, Judith Light is the ultimate warrior. Yes. <laughs> dot com. Dot com. <laughs> I mean, these are facts, folks. Yeah. Oh, now we're gonna get Jimmy Hart tagged in there so that he can put the boots to the junkyard dog. It's the JYD, huh? J- Jimmy Hart laying in the offense, General Adnan style. <laughs> Do you think Jimmy would do some Memphis stalling if he could? I think he's I think he's doing that now because he he's looking to get out of there now that JYD is back on his feet. Jimmy Hart looking very young. I mean, I know it is nineteen eighty what eighty six, but it's still very young looking. He still Great. fucking looks the same in twenty twenty. We're gonna ah, come out of we're gonna little... come out of COVID in like five years from now, and Jimmy Hart's still gonna look the same. Hey, baby. Because he doesn't do any uh, illicit substances. But look, look, look at him! Look at him work the Haiti kid, work the chase spot around the ring. Yeah, Haiti kid sporting the Mr. T look because he had his head shaved by Orton and Piper on. Uh, yes, Piper Piper's pit. 
I have I have a standing request to do that episode. I think it was Championship Wrestling, and I'm going to oh, get really? to it at some point. Yeah. Well, it is another haircut angle. Yeah, I did a lot of them in a short period, so I've got to lay off hair for about eight or nine more episodes. Oh, look at that. Jimmy Hart gets the pin over Haiti Kid. Stealing a win <laughs> from the Haiti Kid. Wow. Managers getting pinfalls in the World Wrestling Federation will always be funny. Like Heenan pinning Marty Jannetty at the Survivor Series 89. Yes, absolutely. Uh, wow, this show is bad. Like, I just went to, like, history at WWE.com to look up this Boston Cotton show. This show is yeah. awful. <laughs> well, I mean, it drew 5,000. I mean, that, that I mean, tells you everything you need to know. That's less than half the capacity. First of all, you had a Ted Arcidi match. <laughs> What's wrong with that? <laughs> I think the the highlight of this night is probably, oh my god, listen to the substitutions. You had Mr. X subbing for Rene Goulet. Okay. You had Jose Luis Rivera substituting for Pedro, but we know it's because Pedro substituted for Dynamite Kid. Yes. You had Dan Spivey substituting for Uncle Elmer. <laughs> And you had Psycho Capone substituting for Barry O. What the hell was going on in Boston that night? Did everybody did everybody decide to just go to let me see, it was was it a matinee? It must have been a matinee. Was everybody at Kowloon the night before getting tanked off of uh Scorpion Bulls and half of them decided not to show up? I'm a, I'm afraid I'm afraid so, Keithy, because hanging out in Saugus is the thing to do. Mm. That's what we were doing last week, right? <laughs> it sure was. We weren't having Scorpion Bowls though. Um yeah, I, I, honestly, though, I, I, I just got to give you one one editorial note, you know, about your performance at at our friend Chris and Sarah's last week. Oh, okay. Uh, did you did you really need to call your mom on the video phone to ask her about blowjobs? Because I thought that was inappropriate. <laughs> um, I mean, the, the the audience demanded it. Yeah, the, the audience of one, and it wasn't me that demanded it. Um, we got Chico here, Chico Santana. I am cowboy ace Bob Orton. I'm a little puzzled here because this is clearly the bot. It looks like the Boston Garden. Yeah, because it's wooden stairs. The the notes that I have for this match have it as the Philadelphia Spectrum, July 26, '86. But this is definitely Boston, so I'm going to have to work on when the actual date of this was. This this is an interesting matchup. I remember seeing. Orton versus, I think it was, yeah, it was Orton versus Tito on Championship Wrestling back in '84, mm-hmm. and I think it was, I think they did a ten-minute draw on TV. Oh, let's hope this is a ten-minute draw. <laughs> <clears throat> I root for time limit draws on this because I know just your unbelievable distaste for them. You know what I find funny is that Bob Orton's Bob Orton had two nicknames. He had Ace what, and Cowboy. Ace? Yeah, he's he's ace cow ace cowboy. He is the ace cowboy. <laughs> he had two nicknames. What's wrong? I mean, what's wrong with having multiple I, nicknames? Like Ted Williams was Teddy Ball Game, the Splendid Splinter, and the Kid. He had three but, nicknames. Right, but when they with, when he was coming up to bat, did they say now batting the Splendid Splinter, the Kid? Teddy Ball game. Ted Williams. They didn't have public address systems at Fenway Park back then. Oh, do you, do you, oh. Would you like to know what it literally was in like the 1940s? It was um, a person on yes. like one of those cheerleading horns who would like announce the next really? batter. Yes. Would they that announce, is, that is would they announce the batter for the opposing team? Yes, of course. 
Oh, okay. Did they have walk-up music? Uh, no, they did not, unless fans decided to sing, like it was fucking Fandango or something. <laughs> what if they had, like, a little band that would play, like, you know... <laughs> Gorilla said that this is the Boston Garden, so now I'm really frustrated because why the hell did they... Why did I get that it was uh, Philadelphia Spectrum? I, I don't understand it at all. But I have now found it. This match is August 9th, 86 in Boston. And this also aired on, this also aired on primetime wrestling. I am happy to announce. And, uh, yeah, yeah primetime on August the 25th. Oh my God. I, oh my God. I looked up what? the result. I don't even don't, want to talk about no, it. Don't look, don't look up the result. Oh. <laughs> Do I have, why, why, I wanted to stop you. I wanted to stop you because you've now spoiled the finish. You son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you're the one who picked this. And you know that there's a... Sorry to spoil it, but you know that there's a drawer on every one of these tapes. <laughs> this has to be clipped, right? Oh, it's definitely clipped because they it are not showing a all 2850 of this bout. Yeah, it's been clipped twice already. A 28 minute match between Tito and Bob Orton. Are you shitting me, bro? Oh man, what did what did you want them to give more time to Cowboy Lang versus Lord Littlebrook? It only got 753 <laughs> in the semi main spot. By the way, now the main event's a pretty good main event. Hogan and Animal Steel versus Randy Savage and Adrian Adonis. That is, that's, wow. That's an interesting main event, you know? Yeah, I'm looking, uh, the attendance of the Boston Garden, which for, for those who are unaware, wow. capacity would be about, eh, 14, 14, 5 for wrestling. 10,400, which I think is a pretty good crowd for August of 86 in Boston, because yeah. as I've pointed out, the garden, unlike MSG and the Spectrum, did not have air conditioning. So we have a heel-on-heel tag match. Oh, we know we love those. After seeing Babyface Greg Valentine yeah. last, it was uh, Volkoff and Cheek against with Slick, I might add, against Bret Hart and Jim Neidhart. And Ooh. this at eight, August of '86, they were still definitely a heel team. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Heel-on-heel action. You know, the alternate to watching these Best of the WWF series that I had for us was that we would watch Boston Garden House shows. Okay. But I know I knew that there was a time limit draw on almost all of them, and, and you probably would have gone insane. <laughs> but then again, if they're not labeled Best of, that's what drives you crazy, right? Right. I'm okay with the time limit draw as long as it's not on a Best of. Because, I mean, to me, it's – I mean – I guess it would have to be who's in the match, you know, because I yeah. think I've said, as I said before, our fir- ver- the very first show that you and I both went to, the Barbarian fought Bret Hart to a time limit draw. Yeah. I probably would watch that all day. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Because I liked, I liked at that time, I was a big Bret Hart singles push fan. You know, I liked Bret Hart in, you know, April of 91. And, you know, I love the Barbarian, so I'm okay with that. I I would I would love to watch a fan cam of that show, but with that being said, I think on the WWE Network, the Madison Square Garden show from two days later 
is on there, and I think it's the exact same matches. <laughs> so oh, just, really? Just watch, just watch the MSG show, and you'll you'll basically see the Boston Garden show. They do the same Hogan versus Slaughter finish. They do the same Kerry Warlord double countout. Mm. And Piper losing via referee stoppage to DiBiase. So that's that's at least three of the matches. And then uh, Ricky Steamboat over Haku. So that's four. Mm. Hmm. Did we ever like? Did do we ever talk about why Piper supposedly had like a knee injury? Thought he had a uh, motorcycle accident or something. Was it, was was that legit or was that you know not really? You know, my mind is a little bit foggy on that, but I'll I'll just assume that he did. But it was a nice way to work it in so that you could have DiBiase Piper matches without having to, you know, pin one of them. Yeah, that's true. Where you do, like, the referee stoppage, and Piper's not going to lose anything from that. As we're talking about Roddy Piper during this fine Tito versus Bob Orton match from 1986, where... It has yeah. the feel of them going 29 minutes in order to allow other guys to arrive at the arena later in the show, but it's actually not the case. <laughs> like, this wasn't the first match on the card. No, it was It was not the opener. No, it was not. Good, good move on oh, it's a good move! Good move by Orton! Yeah, this is the height of the Lord Al gorilla pairing on, like, house shows. 86. They just had like a, a, you know, they just had the spot where Bob Orton ran into, he went to do like a shoulder block into the turnbuckle and Tito moved and then he went right into the post. And uh, on the Twitter feed, the the Mongo, like that Mongo Twitter feed, they had the, uh, they had the gif of, of Goldberg doing that in WCW when his head hit the post. Uh, and, and he's he's fighting chronic. I think it's chronic. And he's he hits the pose and he knocks himself out. <laughs> and then everybody was commenting about how he did that like thirty years later in, in Saudi Arabia against the Undertaker. <laughs> it's like seriously, dude, that guy's such a klutz. <laughs> Freaking Goldberg. One of the first things I'm noticing here about Orton is he's not wearing he's not wearing that cast. Which, no. Since I've started watching this stuff, what, like 2014 all over again, that's like the biggest Mandela effect thing for me. That was like, I always just assumed that when he started wearing that cast, he never stopped wearing it. But here we are, summer of 86, and it's long gone. Well, I think the reason being is because when he, what the hell? Look at that barricade. Tito, Tito goes right into the barricade and it topples over. See, if you were sitting in the front row, I'm sure you'd run over and tap Tito on the shoulder. Like, come on, come on, buddy, let's go. I'd help him, I'd help him up, and I would have offered him some of my water. I mean, in a pre-COVID era, that would have been acceptable, but, you know. <laughs> uh, you, don't think Tito, you don't think Tito would have taken my bottle of water and been like, thanks, brother, and then, like, got up and had a sip? Tito doesn't break character. He's he's not he's not going to accept help from the fans. He's totally focused on the match at hand and the six police officers that are currently surrounding him. I know that's true. Yeah, I don't I don't need uh, to get my ass kicked 
1986 Boston Police Department. Yeah. There, there, there would be certain things that would happen with the Boston Police a couple of years down the road, like with the Charles Stewart case. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to open up that wormhole, but go, go ahead. If you're interested in learning more people, uh, just go ahead and Google Willie Bennett, Boston Police, 1990 or 1989. Thank you very much. Or just read the entire Wikipedia page. <laughs> or watch that episode of Rescue 911 that had the Stewart case on them. <laughs> yes, a very please. rare episode of Rescue 911 where somebody died. I think that was. I think that that aired not live, but that was that happened too. Like very close to like they aired that very close to I think when that happened. They aired it before the dude committed suicide, so it yeah. was before the end of '89, I think. Right, but that's crazy that that's how fast they turned that around. I know I mentioned this on a greetings from Allentown a while ago, but uh, but uh, Rescue 911 was the balls back in the beginning. Oh, yeah. Had a very good theme song too. It did. I hope. I hope that's how it went because <laughs> otherwise I sound like a moron. Yeah, this Tito Bob Orton match is still going on. It wasn't the uh, unsolved mystery. That was the Unsolved Mystery theme song. And then Bob Stack comes on there. And... <laughs> with, with Bobby Stack, the other, Bob the, Stack. Other great, the other great Bob actor. Who hosted Rescue 911? William Shatner. That's right. All right, just making sure. Yeah. Making sure you knew that. Yeah, I, I think he was only uh, 71 back then. <laughs> In 1990. I believe he still had a full head of hair, though, so... Yeah. Do you notice how I, like wet? You notice how wet the mat is? Like these two guys are sweating. they're sweating their asses off because it's August of '86. <laughs> it is. It's August. It's 135 degrees in that auditorium right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lord Al's like, I don't know what to say. Well, thanks, thanks, Lord Al. Appreciate. <laughs> Geez, they really didn't have air conditioning in this building, huh? Yeah. Oh. And the Bruins went a lot. Bruins were in the playoffs an awful lot, and they had that friggin' heat box. All right. I don't know if you you may notice this on some Boston Garden House shows, and I I I am not proud of this as a Boston Bruins fan, where like they'll shoot from the ringside camera like they had a moment ago, and you could see the banners up on the ceiling, and you could see a bunch of Bruins banners. Well, yes. at that time, the Bruins had only won five Stanley Cups, so you're like, why the hell are there like 20 banners up there? It's because the Bruins would put up division champion banners every time for every year. So like 1942 division champions, they'd throw up a freaking banner for that. So there'd be like 20-something banners, and the reason why is because they had an inferiority complex with the Celtics having won 13 championships by 1976. So they just put up all these banners to make it look like, you know, they were on equal footing. I mean, you don't think that, you don't think, though, that every team does that? I mean, you know, some teams, they do promote the fact that they won a division or something like that. I mean, that happens. Yeah, then there are the ones who promote that they were the wild card once, which is 
kind of stupid, but yeah, I mean, but af- after after a while, after a while, you only really need to put up the championship banners. In, and I guess in baseball, American League or National League champions, when there was a delineation between the leagues. Well, I mean, the Red Sox, the Red Sox had that. Look at that. Oh, did you see the back, the sign? That yeah, it, it was Tito? flashing Tito on the nice. scoreboard. It was awesome. Nice. That's awesome. Oh, figure four by Tito. Tito's the word. Nice. Figure four, center of the ring. Unfortunately, though, every, they're, they're nudging themselves over, and Orton's going to grab the rope. Ah. Of course, we already know how this match is going to end. We're just kind of waiting for it to end. <laughs> I'm all right with this. For now. Yeah. It, it's got your guy, Tito. That's right. So I'm going to do the Bob Orton uh, ass shot. Yeah. Bob Orton with uh, Adrian Adonis at this time. No longer no longer with Roddy. Yeah, Roddy, I don't... He, I think he had returned at the taping, but it hadn't aired on TV yet. Mm. I'm trying to remember. I think Piper was part of King of the Ring 86. You know, that weird one that was at Sullivan Stadium in Foxborough? Yeah. Absolutely nothing until just then. Wow, Orton got out of that in a hurry. Well, is there you go. <laughs> I mean, this is this is this is almost abuse here, making these guys go thirty minutes in this sweat box. Seriously, nice freaking cold shower waiting for the two of them on the way out after this. I was talking about Clash Seven. Like the conditions are probably fairly similar, although it's a it's a large it's a larger building. I think Bob Orton was on Clash 7, now that I think about it. <laughs> was he? Let me see Clash 7. Uh, I think it was I think it was him versus Dick Murdoch, but that, that might have been a different uh, different show. I don't see I don't see him on Clash 7. No. Well, that's a, <laughs> that's a bummer. That upsets me. Um, maybe maybe he, no, uh, you know what? He must have been on not Clash 7, but the Wrestle War. I know he had matches against Murdoch around that time. It's, it's like Bob Orton in 1989 WCW. It's like, huh, where'd that come from? Guy looking for a payday. Uh, now, I want can I ask you a bit, a bit of trivia for this day, August 6th? August sure. 9th? August 9th, 1986? Yeah, sure. Do you, do you know... Who the Boston Red Sox were playing at this time? Hmm. I am going. I'll give you a hint. They were not at Fenway. They were playing the Detroit Tigers. Are you cheating? No. They were playing the Detroit Tigers. They won. Oh well, how about that? I no, I uh, that was just a lucky guess on my part. Al Nippa. Al Nippa. Al Nippa got the Al Nippa. Al Nippa got the win, and Calvin Chiraldi got his second save. Oh, great. Yeah, two, two just legendary 1986 Red Sox names. <laughs> Although every time every time Al Nipper comes up, I think of two things. Number one, my dad would do a bit back in the day where whenever Al Nipper was out there, he would say, now every time little Nipper barks, turn the page. I guess it was some sort of children's book or whatever. Yeah. And with, like, the audio component. And then... Also, Al Nipper giving up a home run to Daryl Strawberry in Game 7 of the World Series. Mm-hmm. Strawberry taking about 45 minutes to round the bases. 
and Al Nipper throws at Strawberry in a spring training game the next year and ignites a brawl in spring training. <laughs> That's funny. A draw. Well, time limit elapsed here. <laughs> well, time limit elapsed here. Because we, we did it. This match is dedicated to Keithy. Jesus. Who, who's about to turn seven somewhere near Malden, in, in Malden, Massachusetts. This is true. We're going to have this Tito Santana time limit draw so that 34 years from now he could sit down and watch this. If only my mother had invited Tito to my seventh birthday party <laughs> later that month. Oh, Look Tito, at Tito. Wants five Tito, wants, Tito wants five more minutes in this hot box. Aren't these two guys tired? Get that man some electrolytes. Hey, man, that guy did all of his training in that hot Mexican sun. That's why he's ready to go. Arriba. <laughs> oh, Orton's leaving. He's like, screw you guys. I'm going home. He's got like eight cops surrounding him. Unbelievable. Yeah, a real classic. Thanks, Gorilla. Tito getting up on the ropes like he's 1998 Steve Austin. And look at this. We're at the Boston Garden yet again for King Kong Bundy and Big John Studd near the end of their run because Studd's going to leave soon. Versus Big Big and Super Machine. Mean Gene just called him Bundy. Bundy? He goes Bundy and Studd. Maybe he didn't want to have him confused with Ted Bundy. Maybe not. Pearl Harbor job. Oh, 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 what a botched body slam. Yeah, they tried to do a double slam on Bundy, and they couldn't really get him up. Well, well, if we know anything, they're not going to get stuck. They got stuck up. Did they give him $10,000? Yeah. (laughs) They said it. Heenan taking it right on the face. Oh, face. What the fuck? <laughs> okay. I don't know what I'm watching here. <laughs> Was that big or super who slammed stud? Oh. It's like the wink and the nod of naming the super machine is Bill Eady, and he was the masked super star. Yeah, Heenan's none the worse for wear out there. It's amazing. This is the third Boston match on this show. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, he won't. Bobby the brain, Bobby the weasel breath. (laughs) The Machines, who had cool music and really not much else. In fact, I don't even know if I've had a Machines match on Greetings of Allentown before. Oh, well, very good. Yeah. Were you watching as early as 86? I can never remember. No. No, nobody, no, nobody in my family really... Nobody in my family watched. Now, did your dad watch wrestling? Is that like why you kind of got into wrestling? No, the re- the reason was my sister had on like the 1988 Royal Rumble yeah. in like the background, and it's it's legitimately the true story. It was during the Dino Bravo weightlifting thing, and I was okay. watching it. and I was like, "What's going on here?" <laughs> yeah, it's and the one time it. that I've ever watched that where I wasn't like, "Why is this fucking taking so long?" <laughs> You were actually, yeah, it was that first initial 
you know, impassioned plea of, oh. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, yeah, like, my dad didn't like wrestling. My brother really didn't care about it that much. My brother, one of my brothers, my, the way I got into it was one of my brother's very, like, one of his best friends, his childhood best friends, who still to this day I will have lengthy conversations about wrestling. And um, he was really into it. And so when I first started watching, my brother kind of, I think, enjoyed the fact that there was, like, something that the two of us kind of had in common. <laughs> we didn't yeah. have much in common when we were younger. So, uh, and then we started watching, you know, and going to the, going to the matches and things like that. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'll never, I mean, I'll never forget my, my brother. I mean, my brother was 16 and he brought his 11 year old bro or is no, his 12 year old. Yeah. 11. I wasn't even turned 12 yet to that April 91 show. Yeah. <laughs> And we went on the we went on the orange line out of Malden Center, and we went to the North Station. You got out, and it was the garden was right above North Station, and we went to the first taping or that first match. Yeah, and it was the old Orange Line Station too, which was extremely yeah. ratty in more right. ways than one, like literally and figuratively. But I mean, imagine that—a 16-year-old taking an 11-year-old into a major city on the train by themselves. That would not happen in today's day and age. Yeah, things were different. Things were different back then, you know, in yeah. the old, good old days of 1991. Yeah, things were different back then. You didn't hear a lot about molestation and rape, <laughs> even though mm. it happened. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know about that either. But you know, it happened. It happened just as frequently. Just people kept their mouths shut. Uh, like, never you ra- might, while you when you're done googling the Charles Stewart case, Google child sex panic 1980s or daycare. <laughs> In, McMartin in Mal- school case. In Malden, I might add. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Where I grew up. Not my not my uh, preschool, though. Just so. Yes. Look at Big John Stud. Now, he's in the big and super machine. That's who they're going up against? Yeah. So, so super machine is Bill Eady. Who is big machine? Uh, Blackjack Mulligan. Oh, okay. Uh, th- yeah, you can, def- you can definitely tell that's Axe because yeah. he's doing that Axe move where he does like the uh, the double chop thing that he would do in Demolition. Wouldn't it have been funny if uh, Blackjack Mulligan's name was Black Machine? <laughs> <laughs> that would be a that would be a weird name. Of course, these were actually <laughs> taken taken from a Japan gimmick that I guess the WWF purchased the rights to yeah. use in the U.S. or something. Yeah, wow. All right, here here we got a spot where yeah, he's definitely going to move. Bundy runs into stud on the apron. Ooh, we got some dissension here with Bundy and stud. <laughs> Somebody threw something and hit Stud on the shoulder. <laughs> who's the baby face in this? If they were to split, who's the baby face? Got to be Bundy, right? I mean, I think you'd hope it was Bundy, only because I think everybody secretly wanted a King Kong Bundy face run. Yeah. <laughs> Just like it was world class eighty two or something. <laughs> 
I mean, that this is the this is the Bundy stage too. When is isn't he shaving his eyebrows too? I think so. Yeah, any eyebrows? Yeah. Oh, era. <laughs> yeah. So there, there's. Oh, oh, look at that. We got the Bret Hart Memorial transition spot by uh, John Studd. Mm. Well, he's not fucking dead, but yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure Brett was on this show somewhere. This is September 6, '86, in Boston. It was also the date of the first Superstars airing on TV. Oh, and it threw 9100 to the Boston Guard. Oh, and before you ask me, the Red Sox were at home against the Minnesota Twins that weekend. Oh, they were. Oh, okay. I know this because I went the next day and Bruce Hurst pitched a complete game shutout, nine to nothing. Oh, really? Oh, you don't forget shit like that. You don't forget when Bruce Hurst throws a three-hitter. What is it? Trying to remove the mask. Hmm. How about that? They're going to be like, I don't know who that is. They're going to pull an Ed Whalen. I don't know who that is. They're trying to see if it's Andre, even though they know that that clearly is not Andre. It's not Giant Machine either. Right. Giant Machine barely was even there ever. I don't think have giant machine. You notice security keeps going over to like the right of the screen to like investigate something. Wonder what was going on. I want to know why Bundy's le- like leotard is so or you whatever leotard unitard like why are they? It's so loose. If you notice, it's very loose. It keeps like his shoulder straps keep falling down. Yeah, I think he needed. To, I think he needed to change that one out. Maybe he actually lost a little weight and now it's just too big for him. You know. I doubt that. That would have been bad for business. It would have been bad King Kong Bundy business. Yeah, telegraph that move, Jess. Yeah. Mr. Big Elbow. Now here now here is Big Machine. Look at those chops. Here comes Scott, and he gets there. I'm hoping that Blackjack Mulligan hits the back elbow. So this is Black Machine, right? Big Machine. Oh, Black Big Machine. Big Black Machine? No, that's a completely different thing that I saw in a different movie. <laughs> there it is. Oh, there's the back elbow. <laughs> Letting all Japan know. <laughs> Heenan, Heenan looked like he was a little late there at breaking up the pinfall, so he like just assaulted the craft red breaking up the pin. So we get a DQ finish in this one. Yeah, on a best of. Oh, they're taking the mask off. Uh-oh, folks. Yeah. We don't know who that is. We'll be right back. Big John Stud was just about to be pinned out. He certainly was because he was down and practically out. Well, John Stud was very well protected, wasn't he? Yeah. Would Andre I mean, yeah. take would Andre take his mask off when he was Super Machine to the crowd? Like, remember when Hogan was Mister America? You got to get this straight. Okay. Would 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 French Machine take his mask off when? Uh... <laughs> oh, oh yes, it's Danny Spivey. Yeah, this is November 9th, nineteen eighty five. Guess where? At the Boston Garden. Oh my the God! Dream- this is- Dream Team defending the tag title. Spivey is subbing for Barry Windham because, of course, he is. And they're clearly they're they're, they're portraying him as Barry Windham at this point, and hoping nobody notices. 
Well, you just said Dan Spivey. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they're saying that, but the way it's pre- it was presented at the time, yeah, they threw out another guy who looked like Barry Windham, and then just kind of hoped that nobody would notice, and maybe occasionally refer to him as Spivey. Yeah. Um. All right. So, do you think that when when Andre was was French Machine, that he would he would lift up his mask and kind of like wave to the crowd? No, and there was none of that down. Mr. America bullshit. No. They didn't do that? Like, Andre never took the mask off? Andre is a serious professional, unlike Mr. America. Okay. All right. Well, I'm just asking, you know. <laughs> He's also a jam-up guy. <laughs> He's a jam-up guy. Um, well, you know, I'm just asking. Um, hmm. What's your favorite thing about the Bret Hart L. Dandy promo? I, I, I think it's the jam-up guy remark. Yeah. Well, I that and when you go, who are you to question, El Dandy? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's how serious Brett takes that, where it's because you know it's all just total nonsense, but he he does address it so seriously. Like, who would have thought that Bret Hart was such a comedian? Well, we we knew he was a serious actor from his Lonesome Dove appearances. That's, that's what that's I'm saying. True. I'm glad that he got to do a little bit of a comedic turn when he was doing the El Dandy promo. He also wanted to fight uh, Psychosis. Oh, Celtics in Detroit. Hey, uh, oh, well, maybe I'll see the score again, but I am, I'm going to guess that the Celtics ended up winning that game because the 80, it was the 85-86 Celtics, and they were freaking awesome. Yeah. Yeah, just saying. Oh, Look at that! Look at that dosey doe move. I don't know what to call that. Spivey's boots make him look like wind. That's what they're going for. There's no yeah. question about it. But he's got like these. He's got like UGG boots on. That is true. Yes. Whereas Wyndham would just Wyndham would just wear boots like uh, cowboy boots. Yeah, when it when it comes to recasting, this this isn't exactly, you know, the the fake Darren on Bewitched or no. the second Aunt Viv on <laughs> Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Right. I'm trying to think of other favorite recastings through through the years. <laughs> like when they replaced Becky on Roseanne, and then didn't they switch back? They did. They absolutely did. Mike on the uh, Jeffersons where it was original and then they brought in the substitute guy and then they brought back the original guy because he was done writing for good times. Temporary layoffs. Good times. Ah, boy. James faked his death and opened up a McDowell's in a different uh, city. That's right. He, he went from Chicago to New York and opened up a McDowell's. They're not from McDonald's, are they? Okay. I think you would be definitely be able to confuse Greg Valentine and Dan Spivey. They're both blonde-haired guys wearing blue tights. Yeah. The only thing is Valentine doesn't have the weird-looking boots or knee pads. That's the differentiating feature. <laughs> This noted noted great American baby face, Greg Valentine, as noted last week. And look at this. It's Rotundo versus Valentine. It's the W4 versus the figure four from SummerSlam 91. <laughs> uh, Mike Rotunda, folks, the uh, I believe currently in the lead, the worst wrestling father of all time. 
Look at that. Did you notice security was bolting over to that same area as in the 86 show we just watched? What the hell is going on at that part of the arena? Was there recently, like, a stabbing in wrestling and they had to be careful that, you know, is this back in the day when, like, Freddie Blassie would talk about being stabbed repeatedly in the audience? Yeah, by the well, actually, actually, Blackjack Mulligan, we saw him in the last match as Big Machine. Big Machine. Let me reiterate that. Big, Big Black Machine. Okay, Mulligan yes. got stabbed at the Boston Garden in the early 70s. And it was a serious, it was a serious thing where, like, he almost died. Really? Hmm. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it was Blackjack Mulligan, and I'm pretty sure it was at the Boston Guard. By the 80s, though, that stuff wasn't happening. I think that that was the crowd fighting for each other. It's like, oh, you mean two townies from, from freaking Charlestown got into it with each other? I'm shocked. That doesn't exactly. sound like the Boston that I grew up with. No, not the Boston I grew up in. <laughs> well, it's nothing compared to all the trouble going on in Philadelphia right now that I heard about earlier this week. Uh, yes, well, we know a lot, of, a lot of bad things happen in Philadelphia. A lot of bad yeah. things. Was that a debate or was that an episode of Impact? I can't tell the difference. <laughs> it, it, it aired on a Tuesday, so I don't know. Well, just remember, it did. one of the contestants was a WWE Hall of Famer, so just remember that. What's Tonal Dump doing in the impact zone? I love that that this so yesterday yesterday yeah yesterday I was on I was looking at my the wrestling website I go to which is 411 Mania slash wrestling and they, Oh you're now doing endorsements? And the headline one of the headlines of the articles was WWE Hall of Famer tests positive for COVID-19. And it was Donald Trump. <laughs> And I'm not laughing that the president has coronavirus. I'm just laughing that they referred to him as WWE Hall of Famer. So somebody somebody did a similar tweet where they said WWE Hall of Famer rushed to the hospital, and you know, you know, making the joke along the same lines. And so, like one of the first replies said, "Gee, I hope superstar Billy Graham is okay." Ah <laughs> oh, man. That's I, Grant Graham has done uh, a lot, a lot of hospital stints over the years. It's actually a miracle that that guy is still walking, given all of his issues. All the guys who died and superstar Billy Graham is still going. I would say it's still a miracle that he's still considers himself a WWE Hall of Famer. Well, he goes in and out where like he's on friendly terms with them, but most of the time he's just angry about everything. So <laughs> he's still angry about his about losing his title. <laughs> yeah, beefcake in there with Rotundo now. Beefcake Baba. Oh, and and, and a, uh, a a chilling things to come of WrestleMania nines, one of double main event. Oh, this is a WrestleMania main event playing out in front of us. <laughs> Rotundo and Beefcake back in '85. <laughs> oh, and I think the same spot happened in uh, Caesar's what, Palace. The, sl the sleeper, Park yeah. I'm pretty sure the same thing happened in the Caesars Palace parking lot. <laughs> I'm just waiting for Jimmy Hart to run in and turn his jacket inside out. <laughs> of course, Johnny V is the manager of the Dream Team, but as you notice, he's not there. No. His managers, managers were not always at the house show back in the day. Even though Bobby probably was at the house show in the last match. Yeah, I know. It was yeah. probably more, but, but Heenan was essential to the presentation. Whereas Johnny V, as a C-level manager, was not. I think that that's how you make the determination of whether the managers are actually going to be at the show. 
American over the top rope. Who's it? We're all American boys. We're all American boys. You could have used that music for this team as well. I mean, you know, the, except for the line where he says from Montreal to Memphis, you know, you can't well, say we, that. We, we, we sub in, sub in from Montpelier to Memphis. No, too many sentences. No, you could, yeah, but you could say, um, you could say from like from New York. To, oh, from from New York down to Florida. <laughs> no, it's it's got to be two M's. I mean, we can keep Memphis, but from Modesto down to Memphis. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Modesto, California. How about from Malden down to Memphis? Hey, I'm, I, I know this is a weird question to ask at this particular moment in time as we watch the Dream Team versus the U.S. Express, but is Gary Condit still alive? I don't know if he is. <laughs> I don't know. He, he represented Modesto and probably benefited from 9-11 more than anybody. <laughs> People stopped talking about him. You know, and the it, fact that he, he had an affair with a woman who happened to be killed by a serial killer who was not him. Yeah, right. Um, I'm trying to think. No, he's still alive, but he's not in anything anymore. I mean, I can't imagine he does much of anything these days. He really did. Like, they were ready to hang that guy oh, yeah. on, like, on, like, September 10th. So, summer of 2001, people were so freaking bored that, like, the whole, the whole talk was Gary Condit... And, yeah, I mean, that was pretty much all I remember. I, I was kind of in and out employed. And uh, I, 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 I was going to say uh, the death of Hank the Angry Drunken Dwarf. Well, yes. But go on, yes. I, I do, I do want to call your attention to the Celtics score from that night. The Celtics beat the Pistons 124 to 105. Oh. To, uh, their sixth win in a row for the Celtics. Larry Bird with 29 points, eight rebounds, four assists. Just a ho hum typical night for him. Yeah, wow, big double clothesline. That's like a pretty. That's a pretty good walloping by the Celtics. Yeah. The Pistons were still on their way up, but that was that was the Celtics at their absolute apex. All right, it looks like we're nearing the finish here. Finally, was that um, Isaiah Thomas on the Pistons at that time? Oh yeah, yeah. A referee finally has got to make the count. He's way out of position. Spivey barely kicks out. Yeah, of course, Isaiah is 9 of 18 from the field. He had 22 with 12 assists. Bill Lambeer was 2 for 11 from the field. So fuck that guy. Also, Bill Lambeer combat basketball for Nintendo was a horrible game. I just, I just want to be on the record right now. Look at this weird pinning combination. What the hell is that? It was almost Stolers like he... aren't even down. Come on. And he's counting to three. Oh, that is bullshit. That's dog shit. I demand justice. I demand now... retribution. By which I mean Donovan Dijak. No, I'm just kidding. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. When you said I demand justice, I was like... <laughs> I didn't sit justice out there to avenge Mike McBurn. <laughs> You know what would be fun? If we just spent an hour watching Sid squash matches from the early 90s. Do it. Do it. (laughs) Best of Sid, Volume (laughs) 1. We just do 20 straight episodes of Sid squash. (laughs) Actually, if you would have put together a Best of Sid, and it it was his squash matches and then his promo work, I mean, that's a hell of a tape. Yeah. 
I think yeah. people would definitely love it. Look at this weird. This is weird. Like, watch this. Ready? Yeah. It's like it's like he reverses the you know whatever. Grabs, what is that? Like that's the right. reversal, and then he kind of just like he like grabs puts some. Yeah. He's, he's like shoulders aren't even down. And Beefcake's like scissoring him right now. Hey man, you gotta do what you gotta do. Oh, Gorilla talking about two referees. That's a oh, yes. That's a favorite of yours. And uh, he more or less overwhelmed Young Spivey there, right in that closing few seconds of when it counted most. Yeah. Oh, look at this. We get more beefcake in the next match. Billy Jack Hayes against Brutus Beefcake from Madison Square Garden. Finally, we leave Boston. July 12th, 1986. It aired on the July 21st, 86, primetime wrestling. What does it say in the back of, of uh, Jimmy Valiant's jacket? It says, I love, does it say, like, I love New York? I think so, yeah. Maybe it says, I love he's, pussy. He's, th- he's threatening to throw Billy Jack's hat. Proud. It does. It says "I love pussy" on it. How about no? That? It says "I love." <laughs> Come on. It had a Y. I love pussy. I'll, I'll have you taken out of here. Well, no, he's trying won't. to promote. He's trying to promote cat adoption. Okay. That's right. Jesus. <laughs> that's clear. That's clearly what he's getting at. Brutus Beefcake versus Billy Jerk Haynes. <laughs> this is a rather interesting matchup. Both of them known for cocaine in some ways. Varying ways. Yeah. Brutus at Downtown Crossing in Boston. And uh, Billy Jack for being a mule. <laughs> being a mule? He's uh, very open about that. Yeah. yeah. Beefcake is wearing what looks to be his LJN tights. I was just, yeah, I was just thinking of that because he's got the blue, like the blue wristbands on and then the pink. The pink and black tights, yeah, that's definitely more an LJN outfit. Yeah, oh, sorry. Like more of a burgundy, but... Yes, and it's more of a teal on his arms. Yes. His jacket says "I love Johnny." That's not what I read. That's what. <laughs> Are you denying reality? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just picture you on Wheel of Fortune, and like, it, it, I'd like to solve the puzzle. I love pussy. And then, like, the answer is, I love Johnny. Like, no, that's not what it says. <laughs> you, you could be just denying reality happening right in front of you. That would be great. Uh, that would be great. That's what I want you to do. I want you to get on Wheel of Fortune and become intransigent Wheel of Fortune contestant. <laughs> Where they can't even air it. <laughs> I, I won't do that South Park response from the South Park episode. I won't do that, but, you know. You know, people who annoy you. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I, I, but for for your appearance on Wheel of Fortune that I want, I want them to go back to where they made them shop for shit at the end of the round. You have no idea. The other night, the other night I'm laying in my, I'm like laying in my bed, like trying to go to sleep. And in my head, I'm thinking of that music. So, of course, I pull it up on YouTube and I'm just, I probably... I was laughing so hard that my nephew was like, what are you – he was in the other room, and he's like – and I had my door closed. He goes, what are you laughing at? And I go, I go, it's too hard to explain. So then the next morning, while he's in school, I was like, you got a minute? He goes, yeah. I go, come over here. And I started playing it. Boom, 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 boom,
<laughs> I was just, I said my favorite part is when the, the trumpet player starts going nuts on his jazz solo. <laughs> well, they never actually played that part on Wheel of Fortune because they usually wouldn't run that deep. They usually yeah. only let the guy shop for like 45 seconds. Yeah. But that's the full song that it's taken from. Right. But then the best part is all the comments on YouTube, everybody mentions getting the gift certificate. And <laughs> Yeah, because if you put it in an account, you're risking it for the rest of the show. And it's a gift certificate to service merchandise, I was informed by a uh, listener. <laughs> Nighthawk. Yeah. It was like Nighthawk. <laughs> Or Nightwalk. It's called, like, Nightwalk or something. Yes. And I was like, yeah. I go, this song is fantastic. Yeah. So I, 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 I personally want to thank you for bringing that into my life. Well, you know, I needed I needed content for the show. And since I'm cleaning my mother's house, I figured crazy crap that I find there was ripe for some sort of, you know, my Pope John Paul I rookie card. I mean. Yes. Who knows what I'm going to find when I'm over there tomorrow? Uh, first thing tomorrow morning. I may, I may even open that green bin. Alright, well, just, we'll just let that roll in the background. We're gonna have four audio tracks here. <laughs> you, me, the Wheel of Fortune music, and Gorilla and Lord Al talking about this Billy, Billy Jack versus Beefcake match. The thing that kills me is that, I, for some reason, that thing makes me think of Merrill. Because Merrill always calls me Keith Trumpet because of my band jacket. So oh, yes. Just, I just get this idea of, of like, you and me, and I'm sitting there, and Merrill's there, and that starts playing, and Merrill just points at me and goes, Hey, keep trumpet. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can recognize the confusion. For those of you who, who are unaware of, of what that's all about, my friend Merrill thought that Keith's last name was Trumpet because his band jacket had his name Keith, and then right below it said Trumpet. <laughs> like he was putting his full name on there, like he was Max Power. <laughs> Max Power. Traditionally, sir, a monogram is just initials. <laughs> I do things the Max Power way. The right uh, way, the wrong way, and the Max Power way. Isn't that the wrong way? Yes, but faster. But faster. Uh, is that Burger King logo so you can tell that it's MSG? Yep. If it was a Michelob, you'd know you were at Boston. Was it Michelob? I think it was Mo- it was Molson right over Molson. the entranceway. Yeah, it was Molson. Yeah, in the in the mid eighties, because that would be I think the uh, Bruins bench for for hockey. There was a period of time at the Boston Garden until I think nineteen eighty seven eighty eight season where the benches were on opposite sides, and then they they made them move it. Mm. So I, I, I like the idea of benches on the opposite sides for hockey. So we get a DQ finish because Johnny V tripped up Billy Jack, a move that you see in virtually every match with a manager on the outside. You know, I will tell you that I know we were laughing and goofing on, you know, goofing during this match, but this actually wasn't that bad of a match. No, it was it was it wasn't terrible. 
disqualified for outside interference on the part of... Gorilla says that Beefer has been disqualified for outside interference. Beefer, huh? Oh, short end of the money. There we go. Nice. Oh, God. That, that, that kind of talk makes me hard. As a result of a disqualification... Jerk! <laughs> what could have been, folks? What could have been with Billy Jack Haynes? Billy Billy Jack gets the Duke. Well, well now. Oh no, he is referred to properly as Haku and Tama. Jimmy Jack Funk and Mr. X, who is. I always thought it was Danny Davis, but he's not wearing he's not wearing a shirt. Yeah, because didn't you say Danny Davis was all tatted up? That's what I thought. He had a bunch of teardrop tattoos. <laughs> That's how you know you got kilts. That's right. right oh, so and look at that. We got the female referee, Lady Chatterton, or whatever her name is. Rita Chatterton. Haku, no, no facial hair, so you know he's a baby face. That's right. He is as baby as baby face can be. The Islanders versus Jimmy Jack Funk and Mr. X at the Boston Garden, October 4th, 1986, also airing on primetime, October 28th. Mr. X is subbing for Dory Funk Jr., who has basically said, screw this, I'm, I'm done. Wow. wow. Subject, card subject to change? Yeah. It's a big, a big, oh, here's a little shimmy and a little dancing by Tama. Well, yeah, he's still got to shake off some of those Tonga kid mannerisms. That's right. I, I can't. I can't wait until this female referee inserts herself into the action like Earl Hebner. Oh, wait, that's right. This isn't Aubrey Edwards. So. I know that that was a bit of a cheap shot, and I might catch heat for that. But there are also some people who would agree with that assessment. Yeah, some people, probably not fans of this show. Mr. X has three X's down his pant leg, which makes it seem like he's a porn star. <laughs> he sure is. Of course, I'm commenting on the man's gear. Well, we've talked a little bit about gear this week, so that's good. 8,000 at the Boston Garden for this. Kind of sweaty Jimmy Jack Funk is already. Well, yeah, because he's looking across the ring at Haku, and he's like, oh, shit. I, I might get my eyes, ga- eyes gouged out if this guy doesn't show mercy upon me. <laughs> mercy. The, the, benev- the benevolent. Hey, listen, Haku, King, the one true King Haku is always merciful. Well, you know, you're probably wondering, because we, we talk about King Haku a lot, like why he was King Tonga. And then he later becomes King Haku, and he has to give up his kingdom because Harley Race is there, and he's assigned the king. I consider this like Haku's period where he was like Eddie Murphy working at McDowell's where he's trying to be a regular guy while finding a wife. That's that's what Haku is doing here. Do, do you agree, or am I completely full of shit? Well, I, I would say that the period of time between King, king Tonga and then King Haku is really it i guess you could say it's that it's the three days between the crucifixion and the and christ is risen you know where <laughs> saturday you know, yeah yeah while he's on while yeah it's it's the three days between good friday and and you know and and easter sunday i mean it's that, that's only it's that, that's that. only one day keith well it's the three days it's i don't know day. about your calendar but there's one day between friday and sunday in my calendar Right, but it's yeah, I know, but usually it's like it's 
whatever, three days they talk about. Plus, whatever. they crucified so, yeah. him in the afternoon. Yes, okay. Friday. So, well, you know, hey. And then, you know, Sunday morning, they find that he's not there. So, really, it's like it's like a day. It's like, it goes by like that. It goes by like that. You ever hear that? You ever hear that thing that Jesus, you know, Jesus is up on the cross and he looks down and he says, Hey, Peter, I can see your house from over here. Hey, let's be careful out there with the religious humor. Well, you know. Anyway, so yeah, that's how I feel the the in between period of of his kingdom. But it could be maybe there was a little bit of a revolution that he had to go in. You know, kind of like the uh, Louis Louis the Sixteenth between Louis the Sixteenth and I think like Louis the Eighteenth. You know, yeah. They had the the, the fake emperor Napoleon. <laughs> Yeah. That, Boy, that, that joke kind of crashed and burned on my on my part. I'm sorry, Pete. I, I apologize. Yeah, you know they're they're not all going to be home runs. Sometimes you're going to ground out for second. <laughs> Sometimes you swing for the fence and you watch strike three go in the mitt. You're just distracted by Haku delivering a quality a restaurant quality backbreaker to Mr. X. Yes. Oh, is that Jimmy Jack Funk? Meantime, over in the other corner, Jimmy Jack's having some running commentary with some of our ringsiders here as this capacity crowd looks on here at Boston Garden. Capacity crowd says Gorilla for a show that's got 8,000. Stop lying, Gorilla. Well, did he say that they're hanging out, they're jammed into the rafters? Jammed into the rafters. Hanging out the rafters, whatever you would say. It makes it sound like that they were bumped off and stuffed into the rafters in order to hide them. We gotta get that out of there. We gotta get that out of there. They tear it down the Boston Garden. <laughs> Paulie was talking about that. You were either black or red or white. All right, take it easy, girl. I got a shirt like that uh, my mother-in-law gave me for Christmas last year. Irish whip in. <laughs> mean Gene going to the mother-in-law humor. He, he, he did lean on that quite a bit. <laughs> that was a roll-up for two there. <sighs> Very, very intense look on the face of Tama. Oh, he's calling him Tama? They're still, they're still working out the pronunciations of the names for the Islanders. It would take a little bit. Boston Garden, truly one of the hotbeds for professional wrestling. And we always have tremendous turnouts here for the World Wrestling Federation. Yeah. It's just really funny. Jimmy Jack working the apron spot. Oh, look at that. Bret Hart Memorial transition spot once again. Uh, this match doesn't have enough Haku in it. That's that's my opinion. You know what the main event? I'm a, I'm, guess, I'm a guessing the main event was for this card. What was that? Big Super and Piper Machine defeated Bundy, Stud, and Bobby Heenan. Wait, are you guessing that, or did, did you look it up? I'm looking it up. Okay. That's not a bad main event. I mean, they only drew 8,000, but... Big Super and Piper Machine. Yeah. Piper Machine. And now, if you're wondering who the Red Sox were playing during this, it was probably the Yankees, because it would have been the last weekend of the season. October 4th? Yeah. During that unfortunate period where... 
Wade Boggs, he got his 200 hits, so he decided to sit out the last week of the season to protect his batting average, and then Don Mattingly hit like 750 in a series against the Red Sox and almost caught him. Yeah. Wade Boggs claimed that he hurt his back putting on cowboy boots or taking them off. I forget which one. Maybe they lost. They 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 got swept by the Yankees in a doubleheader that day. By the way, maybe he hurt his back carrying the team on it. Yeah, maybe. In 1986. 34,290 at Fenway that day. That That's a freaking capacity crowd. Yeah, that, yeah, absolutely. And Dave Rigetti set what was then the save record in Major League Baseball for a single season. He recorded two saves that day to get to 46 on the year. Hmm. And that, that record has long since been shattered. That is like a capacity crowd at Fenway for that time period because that's before they did all the uh, renovations to it. Yeah, added extra seats and squeezed in every ounce of every ounce of empty space at Fenway Park. Now is just a, is a seat. Yeah, it's either a seat or concession. <laughs> and the Red Sox didn't draw Dick this year. It was like a 1998 WA show. <laughs> I kid, I kid. Are we are we talking about just this year, or are you are you also just including the, just last the, year? Just, the, just this year, when they oh, had an average attendance of zero. You're not you're not including last year as well, where they didn't seem to draw that many fans. Well, they would always get close enough to capacity. It's not like well, they give away tickets for three bucks. Our our long national nightmare of Rob Renicky is Ron Renicky is over. Rob Renicky, Ron Renicky, Ron Renicky. It's so fine, over. and it's and it's not my nightmare. Hell, the Orioles finished in front of the Red Sox this year. I'm very proud of them. It's very nice. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting looking sunset flip. You got like you got a lot of height. Yeah, you got a lot yeah. of height on that. Yeah. You know what? You know what we're just sitting here waiting for is for that Haku hot tag because we know yes. that's coming. It's coming. Is Haku gonna dance at the end of this match? I have to imagine they do. Hmm. I'm not sure he's still doing the. Uh, you know, is say, it me? Rita, Ch- is Rita it, Chatterton has a nice ass. Is it me or does? <laughs> She's got a great ass. She's got a great ass. Is it me or does Jimmy Jack Funk kind of look a little bit like Terry Gordy? <laughs> oh, well, Terry Gordy, if he lost like 60 pounds in all of his ability, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. The sixty pounds is all wrapped. The, the 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 ability is all wrapped up in that sixty pounds. Right. Well, Jesse Barr is more of a Portland guy, but I don't respect him on the same level as Buddy Rose, Piper, Martell. You know the other Portland guys. Yeah. The Hell, even Rip Oliver. Look at the, oh, here it comes. Oh no. The referee oh no, didn't but see we're going to do the the fake hot tag where she now she absolutely didn't see it. Oh, he Ooh, look at that. Haku threatened to strike a woman. I don't know how you feel about that. But he didn't strike a woman. Yeah, he yeah, he didn't. He restrained himself. He still shouldn't even try it. That's not, you know, I don't want to I don't want to, you know, yes. impress that message. Look at look at him hanging on to the tag rope and leaning in. What, what a king. He is. Yeah, Haku is about to dismantle Mr. X. The one true king. <laughs> are you going to write a song and sing it in the style of Eric Cartman? 
the rancher king. He's my king. Well, I mean, you know, you hear like those songs about Jesus and they're like, Jesus loves me. You know, all those. I want to write, I'm going to write a song about Haku and just have it be, yeah. he's the one true king. <laughs> you fucking Brian McKnight over there. Jesus. What's going on? <laughs> Haku. You might know him as Ming. <laughs> <laughs> However you Ah oh, there it is. Hak Haku or Ming, the one true king. <laughs> it, it, I, I think the parody song we're looking for here is Lionel Richie's uh, Hello Haku. Is it me you're looking for? Is it Ming you're looking for? There you go. Okay, yeah, we have to workshop this. He took Jimmy off. Jack Funk's eye. Big splash off the top. And, and that guy's throat in that airport. <laughs> Three count. Islanders. All right, come on, let's see it. Ready? Let's see it. They're going to dance? All right, here we go. They hug briefly. Here in the Boston Gardens, and what a leap! Look at the embrace. Right, he said Boston Gardens. And Tama, let's go back to the monsoon and, and analyze this tremendous teamwork. And look at look how high. At that. Oh, how high awesome. do you suspect he got up? At least 15 feet high in the air, Gene. That's going to be. <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. He got 15 feet high in the air. Pressure per square inch. I'm not a mathematician of how much weight force that is coming down, but it has to be enormous, as you can see by the results. And a very impressive victory for the Islanders here in the Boston Garden. It was the most impressive Islanders victory in the Boston Garden since the 1980 NHL playoffs. That's right. Oh. Yeah, so we're going to get a highlight montage here of the feud of Roddy Piper and Adrian Adonis, which will cover, I think, some of the same ground as the first Greetings of Allentown, which had the Piper's Pit versus... And the flower shop. The flower shop segment. And this is Piper's return match on television against Adrian Petruzzi. With one hand, then the episode of the flower shop, and settling the score with Adonis. Finally, the meeting with the man who was behind the scenes, the sinister and dangerous Magnificent Morocco. That was one of those questions I had when I was younger, and I was like, how did Piper turn turn face? And it was all centered around that whole flower shop bit. But, yeah. like, this, this return match here, he had been on TV the week before and was kind of flipping out on the, fl- on the flower shop. Piper's... All right. So when did he when did he first leave? Like, was it after WrestleMania? WrestleMania two, yeah. And why? Why? Like, why did he leave in real life? Like, what was his reason? I bet he was probably filming uh, Body Slam, right? Oh, okay. All right. So that makes sense. All right. And then he came back. And when he first came back, he was kind of like was he almost like a, was he like a tweener kind of thing? 
It was along the lines of, hey, I want my show back. You, the flower shop is here because my show went on hiatus for a bit, and now I'm back, so I get my spot back. But he wasn't officially like a face. It's just that every he was like a stone-cold face where everybody loved him because he was Ronnie Pike. People, cho- people chose sides in yeah. that in that dispute, and obviously they're going to go with Piper because the 1986 World Wrestling Federation audience was not ready for an openly gay baby face. No, and not only that, it's also Rowdy Roddy Piper. I mean, you know, they were cheering the guy when he was a bad guy fighting Hogan. I mean, you know. They were cheering him against Mr. T at WrestleMania 2 openly because right. people were just sick of Mr. T's shit by that point. Right. And P- Piper was carrying that whole feud by himself. So I'm not Piper, saying that that was the exact reason. It was just that they were dying for a reason to cheer him. Right. So then Piper comes back in this show. Yeah. And then at that point, he's kind of our, like, it's over. Like, he's like, he's an over face at this point. Yes. Because he had a dispute with somebody who was much more evil and people wanted to cheer him. Sometimes it's, it's just as simple as that. But it is funny because if you think about it, did Roddy Piper never? I mean, he stopped the he stopped maybe the racist comments, but he never really changed his his attitude or his behavior. Like he was always like that kind of just "fuck you, I'm going to do what I want" kind of thing, you know. Like his well, whole career, he's been like that. I think he was more family friendly at certain points, with the exception of the 1989 run where he was talking about eating garages. Like, yeah. if you watch him where he's hosting primetime with Gorilla, it's basically yeah. the face version of the heel Piper, where he's doing yeah. all these off-the-wall comments and, and yeah. cracking on Heenan and stuff. So whenever he was doing commentary, he was, like, family-friendly at that point. Yeah, by the time he's doing Superstars with Vince, it's not quite as good. No, Gorilla and Heenan here. He's gone. Replaced by the flower shop. I enjoyed the flower shop. I don't know about you. You would. You're you're not a very scrupulous person. <laughs> you are a scrupulous person. I don't know which one you are. I do. Adrian Adonis. <laughs> Gorilla didn't know the meaning of the word scrupulous. Own right. <laughs> you're you're a very ignominious person. And what comes out of all ignominious. that? Ignominious. An ignominious person. That's what we need. Let me tell you something. Oh, here we go. We get this. Mont- yeah. An early example of the video montage. And this is from the first Critics of Allentown. September. Take your choice. Called Morocco Fat. Now he's going to get triple T's. And that crowd is very upset. Now they're going to go after Piper's leg. Oh, he didn't even come close to hitting it. How do you like Morocco with the beard? He's looking yeah. very much like Franco Harris. <laughs> oh, was he looking like Billy Bats? <laughs> Break up my party. <laughs> That's what Pipe was saying right now. He's saying, break up my potty. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, no. Um, Piper came back, and Morocco was like, I remember when Piper used to give shoe shines. They called him Spit Shine Roddy. Seriously, dude. Look at how much look at how much cocaine Pipe is doing at this point. <laughs> He's doing all the cocaine, folks. <laughs> Adonis was gone for a while, and then he reemerges on Piper's pit and, atta- and attacks Piper. And puts him Piper. out with the sleeper. Piper. 
Pfeiffer no selling Jimmy Hart's megaphone shot. Yeah, well, it's Jimmy Hart. You, you're allowed to no sell his stuff. I know. This is great. You talk about healing process. It's healed because there's a sleeper hold. And if I'm not mistaken, McMahon, Rowdy, Roddy is going to dreamland. Now I think this is Saturday night's main event. Oh, no, it's challenged because it's Gorilla. The bell is ringing. And Piper's gone bananas. He can't take it anymore. Look at the mouth of This is a fun feud. Like, look at how fat Look at the whole roster empty from the locker room. Here comes a whole bunch of help from the locker room area. Yeah, this is some good stuff all the way around. Magnificent Morocco versus Rowdy Roddy Piper once again from Boston, November first, nineteen eighty-six. And this is our main event featured bout on this tape. Oh, really? All right. Well, this is a good feature bout. Because Morocco hasn't given up at this point. He's got a kick-ass fucking beard. That beard is glorious. Yeah. I mean, I bet I bet Morocco, if he wanted to, could pull down more ass than the Stetson commercial guy. Sure. Easy for you. I mean, the, the jingle is saying easy for you. I mean, what is that trying to Suggest. I don't think Don Morocco wore Stetson cologne. I'm, he seems more like a brute by Fabergé kind of guy. <laughs> I think so. He's a little bloated right here, though. Look at him. <laughs> He's not as bloated as he is when he becomes The Rock. But, man, he is bloated right now. Holy shit. Yeah. There, might, there might have been a little bit more steroids in play with The, Maybe. the Rock here. Yeah. Look at his beard, though. He looks great with that beard. Oh, look at that jump. <laughs> yeah, Piper, uh, Piper is so manic. It's, uh, yeah. it's amazing. Morocco. Yeah, see see all those gold banners? Those are all the Bruins banners that I was talking about earlier. Piper grabbing two chairs because oh, of the Boston Garden. They're attached so, to each other. That's so funny. I love when Piper does that. He does the snot rocket on the guy. I love that. I love that Piper scene. <laughs> uh, it's kind of gross. Uh, there's nothing in there. Just maybe little nodules of coke, but that's about it, you know. If if when we're watching this match, I see security run over to that same area of the arena where twice we had uh, fights on earlier matches, uh, I'm, I'm going to lose it because that's going to be so funny. Yeah, some dude, some dude from Braintree is some is fighting some dude from Revere, some North Shore versus South Shore uh, for superiority. Going on, pal. <laughs> the hell, bro? Why are you doing that? Yeah. Morocco is—he's not tied up in the ropes, but his legs are in front of the bottom two ropes, but his top is behind the top rope. I think they had a match, Piper and Morocco. I think this is the King of the Ring 86 match. Oh, really? No, no, like, not. this isn't the King of the Ring match. 
this isn't the King of the Ring match, but yeah, these two guys faced off and did double DQ or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's a that's a hidden gem that if they ever taped any of it, God, I would love it to. And by the way, it, yeah, it was an opening round match, and it was a twenty minute time limit draw. Oh, really? July 14, 1986, Foxborough, Mass, Sullivan Stadium, drawing 12,000, which is pretty bad for a football stadium, but... I mean, if I if I was 10 years older, I probably would have been at that show. Yeah. Of course, if I was 10 years older, I'd be 51 right now, and I would be less happy about that. Although I would be 10 years closer to retirement. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, I've started thinking about retirement. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah, you gotta. You gotta plan. Well, I'm figuring that I'll probably live to be about, um, let me see, I'll work until I'm about 65, 68, and I'll probably live for about a month after that, so. <laughs> well, you, know. you got to cram in all your, you got to get your shit in in that time. You're going to be like, a, your retirement is going to be like every independent worker. Yes. On like, like those shows, you, you got to get all your fucking high spots in in like three weeks. Right. I figure I'm gonna be like I, I'm. I'm hoping that when I walk out of the when I walk out of my office for the last day, I can go. I'm two days to retirement, and then I'll just get blown up. You know? <laughs> no. And, and then, then I, I I'm over your body, and uh, doing, I, I say, doing, doing, I, I just yell, Mendoza. <laughs> I was gonna say doing doing your best Rainier Wolfcastle impression. Yes. <laughs> Oh, God. Piper got driven headfirst into the ring post on the outside. Deflated, yes. It would have been an opportunity for it, but Fuji is jabbing him with a cane on the outside of the ring. Fuji la la. <laughs> Seeing a lot of empty balcony seats there on the end. Hmm. Like I said, this drew 9,057. People were still very depressed about the Red Sox World Series loss earlier in the week. Yeah, would you be? Yeah, but they'll get over it. The Patriots would win the AFC East that year, which in 1986 was kind of a big deal. took a lot of people a long time to get over that 86 World Series. Yeah. In fact, it took them, what, uh, (laughs) 18 18 years? Going well, back to I, that 04, wasn't that you were a Red Sox fan in 04, or yes. were you not? Yes. Okay, you were. Wasn't it? Uh, do you remember the commercial, the the truck commercial where Kurt Schilling's like, he's on he's on the highway and they pick him up and the guy go and it's in Arizona and he goes, where are you heading? And he goes, Boston. I got to reverse an 86 year old curse. Do you remember that? I remember that. Yeah. Back that when people a, liked Kurt Schilling. That was such a great commercial. Yeah, and and I'll say it once again with regards to Kurt Schilling. Nobody has ever pissed away that immense no. amount of goodwill as quickly as Kurt Schilling. I'll tell you, if Kurt Schilling had retired after 04... Oh, Piper did blade. Holy shit. Sorry, I, I doubted that for a second. Okay. I continue. If he had retired after 04... They would have built a statue of him next to that Ted Williams statue. I don't know. Do they have enough materials to make a statue of Kurt Schilling? I mean, 
<laughs> hey, don't forget the next year he showed up at spring training looking like Santa Claus. But he could have he could have he could have retired, and they would have had. Well, you know Piper's not losing this match because Piper very rarely lost. <laughs> well, he could lose by DQ here if something happens. Oh, he's, now he's going after Fuji because Fuji grabbed the leg. Morocco knees him, and we get the roll up from behind. One, two. Wow, are you serious? And Piper's like, screw this, I'm out of here. I saw a guy there jumping up and down. He was wearing Stu Hart's Bruins jacket from the uh, Survivor Series 93. Look at the pop by the crowd, man. Small but determined. Yeah, small as 9,000. as well? That would be interesting. Double juice. Huh. How about that? Yeah, there seems to be a lot of blood on the mat. The, the police setting up in the aisleway seem to be giving away the finish. Yeah. How, da- how dare you, Boston police, spoil finishes of matches. Morocco's not even trying to kick out. That's the funniest no. part. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's the scoreboard behind it says hungry. Why wait? Um, what is that? What? Uh, that wasn't for Snickers. It must have been for like Nestle bars or something. Food for Stooge. It was like a fan-made sign in the background that looked like it was like a hot rod sign in the background. Fan-made. Yeah. And we get our fun music to close this shit out. Yep. Another fine installment. It, I, it was not the best version of this we've seen, but it was certainly not the worst either. No, not at all. Who's going to get who the gets, special shout out? Got to be. It's got to be Vince. Special thanks to. I always wanted to be like some random guy, or some name that they made up. What about that woman that they gave the Warrior Award to like last year? <laughs> nope. It's special thanks to Vince, Vince McMahon. McMahon. Unfortunately, we don't get a still of Haku during this. No, but we do get a still of Piper at the end. Yeah, we're going to get a couple minutes of trailers for upcoming Coliseum tapes. Ooh, best is WWF Volume 11, and apparently it has a tuxedo match between Hillbilly Jim and Mr. Fuji. (laughs) Well, we have to choose which one we're going to do next. Maybe it needs to be volume 11 so we can, you know, watch this classic. <sighs> oh, don't act like you don't want to watch this. Hillbilly, like, what is Hillbilly Jim's deal? <laughs> he's a hillbilly and he's named Jim. But I mean, at this thank you very much for asking. But <laughs> he. Series on outstanding individuals. Got to be JYD. Yes. Yep. Junkyard Junkyard. Oh, look at teaming with Andre. J- JYD and Andre in his yellow WrestleMania 2 trunks against, against the, the Funk Funks. Brothers and Jimmy Hart. Yeah. So Terry working with Andre. That, that's fun. Look at that. Dor- Dory mixing it up with Andre. That appears to be from Maple Leaf Gardens. And the history of the Intercontinental Champions, where they have a dash in the middle of inter and continental. Yeah, I always like that, the hyphenage. Featuring Pedro, Greg, Randy, Tito, and more. Oh, Randy. Oh, Randy. 
Hey, there's that there's that official again. That same guy. There's that referee. <laughs> we haven't seen John Stossel the last couple of shows. I think it's fake. Yeah, how about that, huh? That's an obey slap. With the five fingers set in the face. John Stossel. That should be the new phrase. It should go, what are the five? Oh, wait, there's Pedro wearing the same tights he always wears. Yes. It should be like, what did the five fingers say to the face? And then the answer to that joke should be, John Stossel. Because <laughs> <laughs> everybody knows. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah. So what do you what do you think what do you think happened to Coliseum video after a while? Like what do you think happened to that? <laughs> you know that they you know that they made like porn films, right? Did they? Yeah. No. You didn't know that? Oh yeah. Oh. Well now, now maybe we'll review those when we're done. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> That's... That sounds like a fun idea. Um I didn't know that actually. That's pretty interesting. I feel like I should know that. I did work in a video store for a summer where still when it was still tapes and uh, I worked, I had to run the porn room. So I should have known that Coliseum home video put out porn tapes, run the porn room. <laughs> I did. I had to work at West coast video in Salem when I was at Salem state. It was, uh, it's no longer there. I might. What add. is that? Uh, cleaning the floor, stuff like that. No, no, we didn't have it. No, but the, I think I may have told you this, but I'll, I'll share it with you again. The okay. best part of that, the best part of that job was, it was the best and worst. The best part of that job was people would come back every day and would be like, uh, this tape is broken. And we would just give them a free rental of another tape. So obviously people would just come back the next day and be like, yeah, this tape is broken. And, you know, they just kept that up. But what we, the only video, the only VCR we had in the store was the one that played to every TV in the V in the store. So naturally we couldn't test the tapes because we can't put porn on the VCR. So we had to just we would just keep them in a drawer and then usually every every so often we would somebody it was somebody's responsibility to take the bag of porn tapes home and like check them (laughs) they worked fine and then bring them back and then we would put them back on the shelf for rental. So that summer it was my job because I was running the porn room where like by running the porn room I meant we had to I had to get the tapes ready because we would get the tapes in and then we had to put like the security stickers on them and stuff and then I would have to be responsible for checking all the tapes to make sure that they were they were fine so I was living <laughs> at college that summer and I had five roommates and graciously all my roommates helped me and they all had their specific tastes that would that would coincide with you know subjects that would be in a porn room <laughs> if you know what i'm saying oh yes so i used to pass out the tapes it's like hey guys here's your friday night can you guys check these tapes for me please <laughs> one at a time one at a time and uh, you know there was one time where it was a an ambiguous name to a tape and i didn't know what it said and i put it in and um, let's just say it was like a prison scene. And I was like, whoa. And then, uh, you know, I had to, I said, well, this tape works. And then that was the end of that. <laughs> I was kind of hoping that you were living at home so that your mother would see all of this. I'm like, what, what is this? Like, ma, ma, it's all for work. Oh, that's the oldest excuse in the book. <laughs> like, no, really? It's for work. Mom, it's my job. Oh, this, this is your job. You could sell out Madison Square Garden. <laughs> Yeah, not nothing like that. Thankfully, my mother has never witnessed any of that nonsense. Yes. 
So yeah, but that was um, I had to yeah, I didn't know the Coliseum video put out porn tapes. That's quite interesting. Yeah, I need to find out more information, but I know that they were involved in that industry because it was rather rather lucrative. Oh, it's very lucrative. That's what killed the beta Betamax. Was uh, yeah. did you know that that Betamax? That's what killed Betamax because Betamax didn't go into that industry and VHS did, and VHS thus you know thus took off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very very uh, very very interesting indeed. Well, we've had a lot of fun watching Volume Ten, <laughs> and I guess now it's up to me to decide which one we're going to watch next because. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we know what's on volume 10. We're going to get an outstanding tuxedo match. Mm. So just in looking at the various numbers here, obviously this is this is 10. How many have we done after uh, higher higher than 10? I think we've done more numbers. Actually, we've done t- five higher than 10 and five lower than uh, 10 or lower. So we actually now do have an even split between them. So I'll tell you what, today is the third of the month from recording this, so I'm going to say volume three. <laughs> God. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so this is this is the part of the show where I go into my lineup listing and I find out just how much of a horrible fucking mistake I've made by picking best of WWF volume three and to see if how, how bad... Keithy is well. All right, so it's got Tony Gria on it. So okay, so you're, that's you're, not terrible. You're gonna you're gonna be fine with it. It's got a match from the original WrestleMania, kind of crammed on there. And you like say a, like an actual WrestleMania match or a rematch. An actual WrestleMania match. It's dated the 31st of March, 1985. Every single match on this show, with the exception of two, are from 1985. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, this this does not look bad at all. There okay. there is a yeah. So I, I and there's a TNT segment that I'm sure we'll be delighted by. Oh, because okay. it's, uh, it's, so okay. something something of a comedic element. So yes, it is settled. Best of the WWF Volume Three coming next Best week. Volume Three. Yes. Okay. All right. I guess this is what we're doing now, right? Well, you sound so excited about this. <laughs> Listen, this journey has been nothing but fabulous for me, so I uh, I, I appreciate it um, more than you know. <laughs> Absolutely, as Absolutely. I like to say, doing these doing these shows keeps the steel antidepressant away for another day. <laughs> oh, very very dark. <laughs> but thank you, thank you very much, thank you very much for for joining me on this one, and please. If you've enjoyed the show, leave a five-star review for Greetings and Valentine feed on Apple Podcasts because it provides the social proof that we so desperately need on this program. And again, I thank you so much for listening and tune in next time for another exciting episode of GFA Live. It's a very fall uh, era day in New England, folks. <laughs>